Hello, my name is Sister Elizabeth Grace. In this podcast, you will be listening to a conversation between a servant of God, Louisa Picaretta, and Jesus. The date is August 10th, 1899. About justice, the fruits of justice, truth and simplicity, how Jesus is wounded by simplicity. This morning, as my sweet Jesus came, he transported me outside of myself, and then he disappeared. As he left me alone, I saw as though two candelabra of fire descending from heaven, which then, dividing into many pieces, formed many lightnings and much hail that came down from earth causing very great torment over plants and men. The horror and the vehemence of the thunderstorm was such that one could not even pray, and people could not manage to withdraw into their homes. Who can say how frightened I was left? So I began to pray in order to placate the Lord, and he came back. I saw that he was carrying an iron rod in his hand with such a ball of fire at the top he told me my justice has been withheld for a very long time and with reason it wants to take revenge on the creatures who have dared to destroy every justice within them ah yes i find no justice in man he has counterfeited himself completely in his words In his works and steps, everything is deception, everything is fraud, everything is injustice, which have penetrated into his heart in such a way that inside and out, he is but a bilge of vices. Poor man, how can you have been reduced yourself? While saying this, he was swinging the rod he had in his hand in the act of wounding man. I said to him, Lord, what are you doing? And he, do not fear. Do you see this ball of fire? It will cause fire, but will only strike the evil. The good will receive no harm. And I added, O Lord, who is good? We are all evil. I beg you not to look at us, but at your infinite mercy. In this way, you will be placated for all. After this, he added, the daughter of justice is truth. Just as I am the eternal truth, and I do not deceive, nor can I deceive. In the same way, the soul who possesses justice makes truth shine in all her actions. Therefore, she, since she knows by experience the true light of truth, if someone wants to deceive her, since that light which she feels within herself is missing, she immediately recognizes the deceit. And so it happens that with this light of truth, she deceives neither herself nor her neighbor, nor can she be deceived. The fruit produced by this justice and by this truth is simplicity.
which another quality of my being. Being simple, so much so that I penetrate everywhere. There is nothing that can prevent me from penetrating inside of it. I penetrate into heaven and into the abysses, into good and into evil, but my being, which is most simple, by penetrating even into evil, does not get dirty even more. It does not receive the slightest shadow. In the same way, through justice and truth, gathering this beautiful fruit of simplicity, within herself the soul penetrates into heaven. She enters into hearts to lead them to me. She penetrates into everything that is good. And if she finds herself with sinners and sees the evil that they do, she does not get dirty because, being simple, she immediately brushes it off without receiving any harm. Simplicity is so beautiful that my heart is wounded at one gaze alone of a simple soul. She is the admiration of angels and men. The day is August 10th, 1902, Volume 4. Privations, laments, and necessary necessity of chastisements. As I am greatly afflicted because of the loss of my highest good, my poor heart is lacerated continuously and suffers a continuous death. Now, as the confessor came, I was telling him of my poor state, and he began to call him to place his intention. But no, my mind was left suspended. It would see as though a flash for a few instants, which would escape and I would return inside myself without seeing him. Oh, God, what pain! But these are pains that one does not even know how to express, that after much struggling, finally he came, and as I lamented to him, he told me, My daughter, if you did not know the reason for my absence, perhaps you would have some reason to lament about my absence. But since you do not know that I am not coming because I want to chastise the world, wrongly do you lament. And I, what does the world have to do with me? And he, yes it does, because if I come you tell me, Lord, I myself want to satisfy you on their behalf. I want to suffer for them. And since I am most just, I cannot receive the satisfaction of a debt from both one and the other. And if I wanted to take the satisfaction from you, the world would do nothing but grow even bolder. Rather, in these times of rebellion, chastisements are so much necessary. And if I did not do so, darkness would become so thick that all would remain blinded. While he was saying this, I found myself outside of myself, and I saw the earth, all full of darkness, with just barely a few trails of light.
what will happen to the poor world. It causes one to think much about the most sad things that will happen. The date is August 10th, 1904, Volume 6. God knows the number, the value, and the weight of all the created things. As I was in my usual state, I found myself wandering about, churches making a pilgrimage to Jesus in the sacrament together with my guardian angel. In one of these churches I said, Prisoner of love, you are here abandoned and alone, and I have come to keep you company. And while keeping you company, I intend to love you. For those who offend you, praise you for those who despise you. Thank you for those whom you pour graces, but do not render you the tribute of thanksgiving. Console you for those who afflict you and repair for any offense against you. In a word, I intend to do you, for you all that creatures are obliged to do for you, for having remained in the most holy sacrament. And I intend to repeat this for as many drops of water. For as many fish and grains of sand as are in the sea, while I was saying this, all the waters of the sea became present before my mind, and I said within myself, my sight cannot grasp the whole vastness of the sea, nor does it know the depth and weight of those immense waters, but the Lord knows their number, weight, and measure, and I stayed there all marveling, and at the moment, blessed Jesus told me, Silly, silly that you are, why do you marvel at so much? What is difficult and impossible for the creature is easy and possible and also natural for the Creator. It happens in this as to someone who, looking at millions and millions of coins in the twinkling of an eye, says to himself, they are innumerable, who can count them? But the one who put them in the place tells everything in one word. They are this many, they are worth this much, and they weigh this much. My daughter, I know how many drops of water. I myself must push in the sea, and I know no one can disperse even a single one of them. I numbered everything, I weighed everything, I evaluated everything, and so with all the other things. So what is the wonder if I know everything? On hearing this, every marvel ceased, or rather, I marveled at my silliness. The date is August 10th, 1906, Volume 7. One contentment less on earth, one paradise more in heaven. Continuing in my usual state, I saw, blessed Jesus, for just a little, and he told me, my daughter, for every slightest pleasure of which the soul deprives herself in this life for love of me, I will give her one more paradise in the next life. So one contentment less here, one paradise more there. Imagine a bit 
how many privations you have suffered in these 20 years of bed because of me and how many more paradises I will give you in heaven. On hearing this, I said, My good, what are you saying? I feel honored and almost your debtor because you give me the occasion to be deprived for love of you. And you tell me that you will give me as many paradises? And he added, It is precisely so. Deo gracias. The date is August 10th, 1908. Volume 8, The Work of Love. Continuing in my usual state, but full of bitterness and of privations, after I received communion, I was lamenting to blessed Jesus about the way he had left me and about the uselessness of my state, and he Having compassion on my laments, told me, My daughter, nothing has diminished the goods that exist between me and you, because the whole of good is in the origin of its foundation. When two persons unite themselves with a bond of friendship or with a bond of marriage, and they have exchanged gifts besides and have loved each other so much as to become inseparable. To the extent that one has taken and copied the other so much as to feel the being of the beloved within herself. If out of bare necessity they are forced to be far away from each other, are those gifts perhaps diminished, or does their love decrease? Not at all. On the contrary, being far away makes them grow more in love and makes them keep the gifts received with greater care, waiting for some greater unexpected gift at the return of the other. But there is more since one has copied her beloved within herself. It seems that there is no distance for her because she feels the voice of the beloved flow within her voice. Having imitated him, she feels him flow in her mind, in the works, and in her steps. So he is far and near. She looks at him, and he escapes her. She touches him but cannot clasp him. Therefore the soul is in a continuous martyrdom of love. Now, if justice forces me to deprive you of me and to be far away for some time, can you say that I have been taking the gifts away from you and that there is diminution of love? And I, my state is too hard, my dear life. And what am I here for if you do not let me suffer to spare my neighbor the chastisements? You have said that many times you would not allow rain, and it is not raining. So I cannot beat you in anything, whatever you say you do. Well, if I had you near me like that before, I would tell you so much that you would let me win. How can you say that distance is nothing? And he, 
It is precisely because of this that I am forced to be far away, so that as not to let you win, but give course to justice. <clears throat> However, by keeping you here, there is also some good, because the lack of water will call for famine. During this time, the peoples will be humiliated, and after slaughters and wars have taken place, grace will find them more disposed to be saved. Is this not also a good, that while wars were about to overtake the famine, by keeping you here they will be postponed for a little longer, and so more souls will be saved. Then he added, Love never says enough. Even if love scourged the soul and tore her to pieces, those pieces would cry out, Love. Love never says enough. It is not yet content. It pulverizes those pieces. It reduces them to nothing and into the nothing. It blows its fire. It gives its own shape. It mixes nothing but human, but only the divine. And it is that love sings, it glorifies its braveries, its prodigies, saying, I am content. My love has won. It has destroyed the human and built the divine. It happens to love as to be talented artesian, who having many objects which are not to his liking, breaks them to pieces, puts them on fire and keeps them until they melt, making them lose all of their shape. And then he forms from them many other objects, most beautiful and pleasant, worthy of his talent. It is yet true that for which is human, this action of love is so very hard. But when the soul sees her gain, she will see how beauty has taken the place of ugliness, richness of poverty, nobility of roughness, and she too will sing the glories of love. The date is August 10th, 1916, Volume 11. How in the divine will our pains are together with those of Jesus. Continuing in my usual state, I was feeling embittered because of the privation of my lovable Jesus and I was lamenting to him that each privation he caused me was a death that he gave me, and a cruel death, such that while one feels death, one cannot die. And I said, How can you have the heart to give me so many deaths? And Jesus, in passing, told me, My daughter, do not lose heart. When my humanity was on earth, it contained all the lives of creatures, and these lives came from all me. But how many of them would not return into me because they would die and bury themselves in hell? And I felt the death of each one which tormented my humanity. These deaths were the most sorrowful and the cruel pain of my whole life. 
up until my last breath. My daughter, don't you want to take part in my pains? The death which you feel because of my privation is nothing but a shadow of the pains of death, which I felt because of the loss of souls. Therefore, give it to me to sweeten the so many cruel deaths that my humanity suffered. Let this pain flow in my will, and you will find mine, and uniting with it, it will run for the good of all. Especially for those <clears throat> who are about to fall into the abyss, if you keep it for yourself, clouds will form between you and me, and the current of my will will be broken between you and me. Your pains will not find me, mine. You will not be able to diffuse yourself for the good of all and will feel all the weight of it. On the other hand, if you think of how to let everything with which, which you suffer flow in my will, there will be no clouds for you. The very pains will bring you light and will open new currents of union, of love, and of graces. The date is August 10th, 1931, Volume 21. Ugliness of the human nature without the divine will, beauty of one who lives in it, the smile of heaven upon the earth. My abandonment in the divine volition continues. I feel its enrapturing force sweetly imposing itself on me, but without forcing me because it does not like things that are forced. They are not for it. They are things that do not belong to it. Therefore, it is all eyes that are all my acts may receive the life of the divine will and become as if they were its own acts. And it seems to me that each of my acts done in its adorable will is a victory that it wins over the littleness of my will. So I was thinking to myself how ugly the human nature is without the divine. And my sweet Jesus told me, My daughter, ugly is the human nature that lives without my will because it was created by the Supreme Being to live united together with the divine fiat. So by living without it, a sh shift takes place in the human nature. In this shift, the order, the strength, and the love, the light, the sanctity, and the very reason are shifted. All of these beautiful qualities are present in the creature because they were placed by God as within a sacristan. But they are present outside of their place, all in its disorder. And since they are out of the place, one is against the other. Passions, flight, sanctity, weakness fights strength. Human love fights the divine, the creature, the creator, and so forth. The human nature without the divine will transforms itself into ugly. It turns upside down in its disorder, its wages war against its creator. It happens as if the soul and the body were created by God to live life together. 
If the body wanted to live separate life from the soul, would it not have the sad lot of undergoing such transformation as to no longer be recognized from what it is, was? As our divinity created man, our infinite wisdom concurred with it, which as the artesian and as an expert who possesses the whole science of the art of being able to create, in our all-seeingness saw that in order for this man to be honor and a work worthy of our creative hands and for our glory and also his, he was to be formed as the body and soul and we gave charge to our will as primary life of the soul and of the body. So what the soul is to the body, our will was to be both one and the other. Therefore the creature was created and had in the beginning body, soul, human will and divine will all together that they were to live life in common with the highest accord and with our will that held the primacy was to make itself nourisher and preserver and dominator of this creature. So if without our divine will the human nature is ugliness, united with ours it is rare and enchanting beauty. In its creation the seed of light was placed in it by us and our fiat more than most tender mother extends with its wings of light over this seed and caresses it, delights it, kisses it, nourishes it, makes it grow and communicates to it with its heat and light all the varieties of the divine beauties and the human nature receives the participation remains under the mighty and continuous influence of a strength, of a sanctity, of a love fully divine. And it grows beautiful, lovable, and admirable to all. Therefore, the human nature, the way it was created by us, it's not ugly, but beautiful. Nor do we know how to do ugly things, but it can render itself ugly by not keeping to what the ways in which it was created and wanted by us. See then how necessary it is that creatures do and live in our will because it enters the first act of their creation. So once this is destroyed, she remains disfigured and without true life. All created things were created with two and even three elements together. The sun possesses light and heat. If the light wanted to live isolated without heat, it would be sterile light without fecundity. And if the heat wanted to isolate itself from the light, it would turn into darkness. And here it is, disfigured, the most beautiful sphere that forms the enchantment of the whole universe. And with this light dominates and does good to all. The earth is formed of the elements of earth and water. If the earth wanted to do without water, it would become dust and would not form the solid pavement on which man could raise buildings and walk with firm step. Everything would facilitate under 
his feet, but this is not enough. If the earth did not want to receive the seed in its bosom, it would not form the beautiful flowerings and the abundance of fruits. So earth, water, and seed must live together. One must lie, one must be the life of the other. They must remain together, united together in the way in which they had beginning of their creation. Otherwise the earth would be strike terror and would remain without the life of the good assigned to it by God that was it to do to creatures. All things were not created isolated, and all the good in their maintaining themselves, as they were created by God, and then also with the sciences. If a person wanted to learn how to read, and did not want to learn the vowels, and then the union of the consonants, that are the beginning, the foundation and substance from which the sciences derive, could he ever learn how to read? Never. He could drive himself crazy on the books, but as for learning, never. See then this strict necessity of sticking to the way in which things were formed at the beginning of their existence. If they do not want to turn from beautiful into ugly, from good into evil, from life into death, now what good can the creature hope for? if she does not live united with our divine will, in which the beginning of her creation was less established. Oh, if all were, would comprehend this, how attentive they would be to the let themselves be dominated, nourished, raised by my will, that being the beginning of their existence would form in them all that is beautiful, good, and holy, and the great fortune of life down here, and then the great glory of their life up there. After this, I continued my acts in the divine will, and it seemed to me that these acts done in it had the virtue of uniting heaven and earth, and of drawing all the celestial inhabitants to look at the creature that was letting herself be invested by the divine <coughs> volition, to give it the field of action in her acts. And my sweet Jesus added, My daughter, there is nothing more beautiful, holier, more gracious and more, and possesses an eruption, erupt, enrapturing force and virtue than a soul who lets herself be dominated by my divine will. She is the smile of heaven and of the earth. Each act of hers forms a rapture for her creator who feels the sweet force of his will in the creature and sweetly lets himself be enraptured. And all the blessed feel that from the earth there is someone who enraptures the will of heaven to make it her own and to live in common with them. Oh, how they feel twice as happy in seeing that there also on earth reigns that fiat that while it beatifies them and forms their, forms their supreme happiness 
reigns at one point of the earth, operating the triumphant. Therefore, at that point of the earth appears a nimbus of heaven, a divine will operating, a smile of the celestial fatherland that draws the attention of the whole of heaven on that point. To keep it defended and to enjoy that smile that the divine will forms in that creature, in fact, the saints are inseparable from all the acts of it, and they enjoy and take part in them according to their merits. More so, since the acts done in my divine will are as many chains of love that flow between heaven and earth, and they love all without putting anyone aside. And because she loves all, she is well liked by all. Therefore, my daughter, be attentive, fly, run always in my divine will, that you may form the smile of heaven upon earth. It is beautiful to see heaven smile, but since happiness and smile are its own properties, it is the earth that renders itself more beautiful, more attractive, for the celestial smile that my divine will forms in the creature is not a property of its own. Until the readings tomorrow, those are all the readings and the conversations between Jesus and Louisa for August 10th. Have a blessed day by Sister Elizabeth Grace.